Seinfeld, the puffy shirt is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are going to be the first Pirates in the 2010s. I'm Rob Sussman. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Oh, I'm so excited to be up to the puffy shirt. Here we are. We are. We've made it. We made it? We've made it. Yes. After this, it's all gravy. It's all great. We're at the Puffy Shirt, Season 5. We're going to be pirates. We're going to be all puffed up. You ready, Akiva? Yeah. I feel like pirates are, uh, they like really weren't in when this was on. Now it's like more normal, to, you know, the idea of being a pirate. Did the era of being a pirate pass? Was the woman, was the low talker, was she on to something? Was she about, I don't know how many years ahead of her time. When does Pirates of the Caribbean come out? Um. I well, you, you're saying that it came, but it also went already. The yes, I think so. The the Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrow era. What's that like? 2003. I feel like. Is, yeah, that's fair. Maybe even the, earlier. <laughs> the first. Yeah, no, you're right. It was 2003. How many of them? How many uh, Pirates movies have there been? I want to say that there's four going on five. Yeah, four going on five. I say. Yeah, I only saw the first one. All right. I only saw the first one in the theater, and I'm sure I've seen parts of the other ones, like on HBO and stuff. But I've never sat down and watched the sequels. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been on the ride at Disney World a bunch of times, so I guess <laughs> that's like seeing the movie. Yeah, I want to say like Christmas 2003 was when the first Pirates of the Caribbean launched, and then I think that that might have been the era to wear the puffy shirt. People say that they redid the ride. Uh, at Disney World, they spent like millions of dollars to, you know, basically take the exact same ride, but make the pirates look like Johnny Depp. Um, I have been to Disneyland since then, and I feel like there are some uh, Johnny Depp looking guys in there. But if they spent more than ten thousand dollars making these upgrades, then they really got ripped off. Uh, I heard millions, but it's one of these rumors you hear when you're in Disney World. Who knows if it's true? Yeah, underground clubs and stuff. I think they put like a Jack Sparrow mask on a couple things that were already down there. I don't think they redid too many things, but I could be wrong. And I often am. Yeah, I'm going to guess it was millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Wow. That's what they say. Maybe they did more in Disney World than they did in Disneyland. Disney World is way better. I don't know if you know this. I do know this. Yeah, I know. It's a point of contention between my wife and I where we live an hour away from Disneyland and she wants to take a trip to Disney World. Yeah, she's right. You should go to a trip to Disney World. This well, it's not a vacation if you're an hour away from your house. <laughs> if you could drive home, you know, then then that's not a vacation. But, but Akiva, if you had something, even if it's 40% of what Disney World is, even if it's 20%, why, why should I fly across the country to go to something when I could just go to the thing that's almost the same that's nearby my house? Is there an Epcot near your house? No, no. Is there the Hollywood thing near your house? Whatever that's this, called. They have California Adventure. Do you have the, uh, the Toy Story uh, game there? Because that's the best thing in all the Disney parks. <laughs> the best, the game. What like it's that like has, laser it has the longest line. It's my favorite thing. It's called like Toy Story Midway Mania. I think it's called. Yeah, it's like a four D Toy Story game. Is that in California Adventure? Do you like shoot stuff with like a laser? Yep. I I went on it in Disneyland. It's pretty lame. I I don't know if maybe it's oh the same. so neuro. I think the, the I think the good ones in Disney World. Okay, maybe they just made like a cheap ass lame one. Because there's also a lame there's a lame version of it in Disney World, also. 
yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we are way off the beaten path here of talking about the first pirate. I didn't even this- mention Animal Kingdom, and you're already <laughs> getting off the sub. No, I didn't know you're such a big Disney guy. No, I'm not. Know. But I, you know, we've taken the kids a bunch of times. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't even know you anymore. No, I'm over it. I, you listen. I don't want to go. Both years we w- we went like two Januarys in a row, and both times we got there, and the Jets were in the AFC Championship game that day. Oh, so we, we, book a we trip to this year, and I left. 2009, 2010. We got to the party like, uh, hey guys, goodbye. And I went back to the hotel to like prepare for the game. Yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about the puffy shirt and let's get into this because we have one of the all-time great Seinfeld episodes. We'll see, I guess. Uh, maybe Akiva is like, uh, I didn't think it was that great. It's number, you know, 73 in my rankings. We'll I think see. it'll be better than 73. <laughs> better than 73. All right. So we know that going in. And Akiva, we're going to talk about the puffy shirt, of course. A shirt that Jerry agrees to wear on the Today Show. And he goes on to be interviewed by Brian Gumble. Oh, my God. And then we have the woman is very upset when Jerry calls the shirt stupid. George becomes a hand model and all sorts of fun. And George moves back in with his parents. So a big, big episode of Seinfeld today. Yeah, I want to get into the whole Gumble thing also. I think. Oh, we'll talk about Gumble. <laughs> we have some. I want to get, get into Greg and Brian. Some prime gumble discussion happening when uh, the worlds collide between Survivor and Seinfeld here in Season 5, Episode 2, The Puffy Shirt. And since this is such a big episode of Seinfeld and we already wasted five minutes talking about Disneyland versus Disney World, we're going to forego Seinfeld news this week and jump right into talking about The Puffy Shirt. Are you okay with that? I guess we'll have to double news it next week. Okay, double news next week. Uh, if there's stuff going on. Maybe there's not. Should we? Are we like? So is the news segment only if there is news? I think it's if there's anything. If there's absolutely nothing to go on, I mean, we shouldn't just you know talk about something because there's nothing happening. But on the real news, like they still give you the news even if nothing happened that day. I guess so. But in Seinfeld news, I don't think we would just say like, okay, it's slow news week, so uh, you know. Uh, Michael Richards has a has a cookbook that came out four years ago. Let's talk about that this week. Um, yeah, it would be funny if they did that on the real news, though. Like, eh, there's nothing going on. So let's just uh, let's just sit around and talk. I think that they just play the hits again. If there's nothing going they do on, do a rerun of the news. No, they don't do a rerun. But it's like, well, there's nothing new going on. But people are still talking about Donald Trump. So what is it about Donald Trump? Like they just sort of like go back to like uh, if it was ESPN, they're like, well, Tim Tebow is making quite an impression at Eagles camp. So we, if, what's our Tim Tebow? I feel like like when Curb Your Enthusiasm is coming back is our Tim Tebow. Is that our Tim Tebow? I feel like I feel it's like, been discussed a lot of times already. I feel like our Tim Tebow is like Jerry has a new hot take on something. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's slowly becoming our Tim Tebow. <laughs> that's what we go to. Either that or uh, the soup Nazi was at it again. Today. Oh yeah, that's true. The soup Nazis, <laughs> you know, it's hard to keep up with what he's doing. <laughs> those, those are our hot take stories. That's our uh, first take where uh, we could get into all of that. Like, uh, you know, if I was going to be like the uh, who do you want to be? You want to be Stephen A? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to be Skip Bayless. Please. <laughs> I don't want to put you as Stephen A, but I mean, I as skip, but I'm not going to be Skip. You know, if I was Skip, I'd be like, you know what? Jerry is right about this uh we could do that but anyway let's get into talking about the puffy shirt from september 23rd 1993 written by larry david of course 
uh, starts off with some stand up, and I think it's actually some funny stuff that, like, the stuff that I think is that I don't really remember. If it really plays the best for me. But uh, we talk about, I didn't remember that this was going to be that George was going to move back in with his parents in this episode. Now we have both of George's parents in play. I think season five is going to begin the journey into exploring these characters and all of the material that the fodder that's there with uh, Frank and Estelle. Uh, Yeah, it feels very fresh and like modern this episode. I think more than anyone we've had so far. Jerry talks about how in the opening stand-up that moving back in with your parents, you can never spin that as positive. Is that true, Akiva? Yeah, like, I can't think of a great scenario. Like, I was telling my mom, like, next summer, like, I might I might do something for a few weeks. Like, if I go uh, work on the Olympics again, I like, yeah. have to move back in with them for a few weeks. I feel like it's just temporary. temporary. It wouldn't be so pathetic. Like, yeah. I'd be doing something like making a nice amount of money. Like, it, it's not, you know, that's not like super embarrassing. But even saying that, I'm like, oh, my God. And I already told her, like, oh, I need a better TV for my room. <laughs> they already moved out the good TV. So I think that maybe there's a shift, though, from 1993 to now, because I think you could spin to people in the entrepreneurial era that we live in. If you after college move back i think when when you're in your 30s or whatever i think it's starting to get become a harder sell but if you're in your 20s and you're saying like hey i'm about to develop the next facebook i need to move in with my parents for the next couple of years while i'm building this company i think you can sort of spin that yeah but there's a fine line between you know because until the company works you're just another schmo who's doing nothing that's true. That's true. But even like if you were going to like in our world, if we're talking about, OK, well, I'm about I'm starting uh, this podcast. I'm starting this website. I'm moving back in with my parents because for the next two years, all I'm going to do is this to get this off the ground. You could say, OK, well, at least you're doing something. It's not like I've been such a failure and I don't have a job and I'm moving back in with my parents because I think if you could say that I'm moving in with my parents and I'm because I'm doing this. I think it's not as bad as Jerry makes it out to be. Yeah. And, the, you know, there was that whole generation of people that had to move back in with their parents because there was no jobs. Yeah. In, in a related story, Akiva, I'm also just trying to set you up. I'm moving back in with my mom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with your whole family? Back to my mom's basement. Yeah. My family is moving in with my mom. I, like, it, people make fun of it, but, like, my mom's basement is nicer than my house. So yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I would I like to say. But I'm also developing a premise pilot for a sitcom as I'm moving back in. It's about a guy who has a podcast out of his mom's basement. <laughs> so it's not as bad as it sounds. No, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, I think I think you can spin the I'm moving back in with my parents in a positive way if you're doing something. Uh, yeah, I mean, and even if you're not, just lie about it. Just lie about it. Okay, so we start off with, in the actual episode proper, George and Jerry are talking, and George is talking about how he's moving back in with his parents, and they have a little bit of a discussion over who has the odder parents. Do you have any thoughts on this, Akiva, over George or Jerry? Who has the weirder parents? Well, let's take it one by one, and I guess decide, like, level of weirdness from one to ten. Okay, so... George and Jerry, I feel like that 
Jerry's mom isn't super weird. No, she's clearly always been the most normal of the four. Almost more, too normal of a character. Yeah. She's like the least defined character, other than her love of Jerry, which is blinding. That she really doesn't have any character traits that you could really assign to Helen. Yeah, it's uh, 100% correct. She's sort of doting. She's over a little overbearing. She loves Jerry. But other than that, she's pretty on the nose. I think in terms of Morty, he's cheap. Yeah, I mean, they say he never threw anything out. First of all, we just saw him throw something out, right? Right, he just threw a wallet in the garbage. Uh, he didn't so, like Velcro. Yeah, and, uh, and well, I guess the watch he lost. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd say th- never throwing something out is like, uh, you know, I, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm staunchly anti-hoarder. I've said that many times. Yes. So I'll give that like a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. In terms of <laughs> Frank and Estelle, now, again, Frank Costanza is not a well-defined character yet at this point, but we start to find this out, and we get a callback to this about how he wears sneakers in the pool, which was first brought up in which, what's the name of the episode where they go and they switch out the answering machine message, the message, uh, the phone message, I think. phone message. And so they, that's actually brought up when, uh, George and Jerry are in the apartment and then that girl is going to bust George and she's like, Oh wait, what were you telling him? Like, Oh, my father wears sneakers in the pool. Yeah, so, right, that was a great save, and I love that they're calling it back three seasons later. Yeah, before there was even a Frank Costanza. Even the fake Frank Costanza. Yeah, so that's good. So, is this the first episode that the uh, that actual, here's Jerry Stiller, you know, in the actual production, Jerry Stiller first shows up here in this episode, correct? Yes. So, I, I think that they must have, you know, known we're going to do a lot of stories with uh, George's parents in season five. George is going to move back. If anything... George moving back in with his parents is the writing a sitcom of season five. Oh, uh, yeah, that's actually a good point. Because by the end of season five, it's going to be the opposite. And then he's going to get the job with his, with the Yankees. And so he's not going to be living with his parents anymore after season five. Right. Right. I do think. Um, yeah, I mean, right. It, it, basically, we haven't seen him at all. And, you know, the final ha- he's in about a third of the remaining episodes. We really see a ton of Frank and Estelle the rest of the way. Yes, that's a lot. Yeah. So they are here and they're a big part of this. So I think that George actually wins this, that Frank and Estelle are much more bizarre than Jerry's parents. Yeah, Jerry, this is not an argument Jerry should have even started. Now, George says that his mom has never laughed. Do, do we see Estelle laugh? Is this canon throughout the rest of the series? I think we, we, uh, we're on the lookout for it now. I don't I remember think we see her laugh, but I'm not 100% sure. At one point where Kramer is like flirting with her, she does seem to be like giggling to like Kramer's jokes. Yeah, she I does see have that. that giggle. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I almost wonder if that's like a sort of a natural reflex from like when she's smiling or something. Yeah. It's not like a true laugh. So <laughs> Kramer comes in and they're talking about how he can't believe that George is going to move back in with his parents. Uh, yeah, if Kramer's judging you, you're in bad shape. And so George is talking about how he has to. He has no money. He only has $714 in the bank. First off, uh, they're talking about uh, borrowing money to uh, from Jerry. He describes the borrowing money is going to kill the friendship. It's the same as having sex. Is that true? 
I mean, Jerry is kind of, uh, we've seen him so many times already lose large sums of money. And he's, you know, pretty uh, complacent about it. Like, so I don't think Jerry's the type to hold it against George if he can't right. pay him back long term. So in the, in the, for certain people, definitely. Certain people get very hung up about money. And if you don't pay them back, it's all they can think of. I, I know somebody who, at their husband of 60 something years funeral, went over to somebody and is like, oh, you still owe me 700 bucks. Actually, they didn't owe them 700 bucks. They had owed them like 700 bucks for a year or two. And then they paid them back. But then they still went over to them and were like yelling at them for not paying them back. At the I funeral. hear. Yeah, I hear what George is saying that borrowing money uh, is going to change the relationship. But if I owed you seven hundred dollars, I still feel like the tenor of the relationship would be quite different than if we had sex. Oh, OK. Um, I think that, that things would change probably more dramatically with the uh, sexual encounter than uh, owing a sum of money. Okay, fair point. Both would change the relationship, but I think that the relationship would be more drastically altered by the intimate relationship. I mean, it's the 90s. It's hammer time. Like, maybe people are pretty free about that stuff. Who knows? They, actually, they weren't. I think it was a pretty, like, uh, frigid time. <laughs> so Kramer enters. He says to George, why, why don't you just move in with Jerry? I like it, I like in general when people like just horrible ideas in front of the other two people and, yeah. like, and the person's like, no, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> and he says, well, you could move in with Kramer. Should George consider moving in with Kramer before he moves in with his parents? I know uh, George is horrified by this, but I do. It's a throwback. If you remember the first season or two, George is like visibly scared of Kramer. There's a little <laughs> bit of a throwback to that. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad to move in with Kramer. I mean, he'd already be at jerry's house i mean that's a real odd couple i mean his bed could just technically be at kramer's house but he could basically live at jerry's jerry's not gonna go for this i do think it would have been funny if in one episode george had to move in with kramer yeah maybe if this was gonna be like if they were short an episode that they could have the first episode of the season is that george moves in with kramer and then that doesn't work out and he has to move in with his parents not a bad idea yeah, maybe we could have fit that in in the mango somewhere. Oh, we have plenty to do in the mango. <laughs> we have plenty to do in the mango. That's right. <laughs> All right, so we find out that uh, George is going to uh, move over into his parents' house. And so that's the next scene that we see. We see George with his mom, and the guys are helping him move the stuff. We don't see the guys really moving too many boxes. Uh, no, I mean, there's not a lot of physical labor in general in this in the show. Yeah, and no help from Keith Hernandez for George's move. Yeah, what a bastard. <laughs> and so George, uh, all his stuff is there. Jerry has a joke for Estelle. She doesn't want to hear it. She says to him, tell it to the audience, which is really sort of a weird fourth wall breaking uh, comment almost. Uh, it could be, or it could just be like he is a comedian on the show. Yeah, it's just weird that it's like it, if this was the family audience. guy, then he'll like turn to the audience and tell the joke. Yeah, Estelle has made a plate of bologna sandwiches and they talk about how nobody eats bologna anymore. Is that a true statement? Has bologna made a comeback since 1993? Yeah, I, I don't know if you have a hot take drop at the ready, but uh, I'm pro bologna. I have no problem pro with bologna. I'm pro bologna. I'm pro bologna. Oh my God. I was going to say that if... Pro bologna, if bologna was going out in 1993, where is it now? You never hear the word. You never like. First of all, people don't use bologna as like an insult anymore, right? 
Right. So it really, Baloney needs a new publicist. That's what Baloney needs. No, I don't think you could save Baloney. You know, I think you can save Baloney if you change the name. To what? I mean, I don't know. We got to, we have to figure that out. That's like, that's still on the drawing room, but yeah, you know, you, the process meets, I think are facing a, uh, a real crisis here in 2015. Although baloney seems to suffer the worst of it. I mean, hot dogs have some sort of like hot dogs are probably the made out of the same stuff as baloney, but I think that baloney has more of a stigma for being like, oh, that's just, uh, you know, you're eating stuff that's going to just uh, be terrible for you. Whereas hot dog, I think, has some sort of a nostalgia yeah. in terms of baseball and summer yeah. as Americana. And I don't think that things like salami and pepperoni have any sort of stigma attached to them. I think that salami seems almost like classy, like have salami, have it with cheese, have some sort of... Uh, you could put it in different foods and stuff like that. But bologna, nobody wants bologna. Yeah, I guess nobody does want bologna. I, I, so you think salami still has a chance, though? Oh, salami is fine. How's, how's turkey doing? Turkey is great. And are you a corned beef guy? I am not. But I think that corned beef also has its place. I think that people like a corned beef sandwich. Uh, once a year, you have corned beef and you never, you know, like, oh, yeah, I should have corned beef more often. They don't order it again for a year. I mean, if we were going to go into the, the you know, uh, whatever Delhi our power rankings, Delhi power rankings, I was actually going to say our whatever our sort of uh, madman type marketing firm that we have. The problem with bologna, it's also that it has it's not good for you. It's processed. It's cheap. I think that we would need to change the name. I think dude, I don't know if we could salvage the name bologna. I agree. And the spelling of bologna is weird, too. Right. Right. So I don't know what we would Make do. Make it sound more Italian, maybe like a little fancier. No, but it's not really Italian. Uh, although I guess that the name Baloney yeah, is an uh, name. from Italian descent. So maybe we can come up with something. Hmm. Maybe just switch. To, like Baloney is an Italian city, right? What yeah. if we call it Parma? That's another Parma. No, well, that's sort of like a cheese. I would. Think. Yeah, that does sound very cheesy, right? What if we called it like? Uh, a bolognese salami or something like that where we end up we like sort of like try to piggyback no this isn't bologna it's a type of salami yeah but now but the bolognese like now you're it's becoming more of a niche food like that that's tough you're not gonna have a lot of television commercials about bolognese salami hmm that's true what uh and what do you what do you think about tongue what's your opinion on tongue oh i'm out on tongue i'm a huge tongue fan yeah why are you out on tongue just because it's called tongue people yeah see, tongue really needs a new name because you don't have to, like, if it wasn't called tongue, everyone would love it. It's the best tasting of the daily food. Just yeah, people and, are scared by the name. Just correct me if I'm not, again, uh, that I am uh, such a novice here. Is tongue actually tongue? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm out. Why? It's delicious. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and I think tongue's got a bigger problem than bologna. <laughs> but tongue is way more popular than bologna, no? I don't know. Well, I think that probably. Well, you could bologna, go to a restaurant and get tongue. You're not going to get bologna unless you're. I don't know what kind but, of restaurant. But I think has that bologna. bologna is much more common than tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But 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 tongue is like. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe I, the tongue might be a little bit more ethnic. Like I feel like it's uh, popular Jewish food, so I've had a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I've never had pepperoni. That's not kosher, by the way. So that's not even on my daily power rank. Uh, pepperoni doesn't even have a problem. Pepperoni is, is fine. pepperoni good? Am I missing something with the pepperoni? Oh, uh, pepperoni is delicious. I had a pepperoni pizza the other day. It was fantastic. 
I'll have. You'd never have a bologna pizza. Well, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but what Maybe about should... a bolognese salami pizza? Uh, now that would be something. You say, would you like to have a slice of bolognese salami pizza? Like, oh, okay, sure. Would you rather have um? What, what about a tongue pizza? How do you? No, think that I'm go? out. No tongue pizza. <laughs> would your wife? Would your wife rather have a tongue pizza or a pineapple pizza? Um, it might be close. <laughs> it might be close. <laughs> I'll ask her. I'll ask her. All right. Let us know your ideas in the comments also at postshowrecaps.com for uh, how to save either uh, bologna or tongue. <laughs> what are the marketing ideas? I'm actually concerned about this. I do want people to have some good thoughts. Yeah. I like that Estelle is trying to pawn off these bologna sandwiches on Jerry. And he's like, I don't know how comfortable I am with giving out bologna sandwiches in the building. Although I bet Newman would have eaten them. Oh, Newman would take the bologna sandwiches. I mean, he might be a little suspicious because it's Jerry giving them to him. Yeah. So what do you put on a bologna sandwich? Give me your ideal bologna sandwich. I mean, I actually, I, I take it back. I like salami. I don't actually like bologna. I think I, but um, what I would put on a bologna sandwich, or- you'd have to douse it in something, Rob. Like a, you, ton, a ton of mustard. I used to eat bologna like when I was younger. I have a bologna and cheese with mustard. Yeah, the mustard is is big with the bologna. Yeah, you have to douse it in something. Yeah. Ketchup and, or mustard. Which Are you a ketchup guy or a mustard guy? No, come on now. What, you're a mustard guy? I mean, I'll put ketchup on, on French fries what and hamburgers. hamburgers. Yeah, not a hot dog, though. Uh, well, come on. This is, this is America. <laughs> It's America as in you can do whatever you want because it's America? No, it's America means you have to put, it's a law, you must put ketchup on a hot dog and mustard. Uh, ketchup on a hamburger and mustard on a it's hot dog. It's not a law. I know that there's a lot of people. Josh Wiggler, I know for a fact, is a ketchup guy on a hot dog. He's a monster. <laughs> but no, uh, my father would have disowned me if I would have put ketchup yeah, no, on a hot dog. Definitely don't do that. But that being said, I think if you, if you go with like a boar's head bologna, I think you're going to be, you you know, that's a lot better than if you got like uh, the, the quality of the bologna, I think makes a big difference. Well, I got I got I just passed the boar's head truck this morning. Yes. What's provisions? <laughs> I don't know. That's also it's always on the boar's head truck, right? It's like bologna, salami, pastrami, provisions. <laughs> I've never known what provisions are, and I've always wanted to know. Maybe that's something Johnny DeSilvera could let I us bet know. Johnny knows that. Oh, no question. <laughs> In an upcoming email. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> it's funny when Jerry and Kramer are leaving, and George's like, wait, you guys are leaving? You don't want to hang out? I mean, like, it's no, lonely. we got to go back. <laughs> it's lonely being at mom's house. What's he going to do? Have like play dates, invite people to his mother's house? And so Jerry and Elaine are going to go meet up with Kramer and his new girlfriend, who we'll find out is the low talker. And so George can't go with them because he has to go to dinner with George's father. George has got to eat with his dad. He's like semi-grounded. He's semi-grounded. And so that's it. And he's very upset. He says, oh, my God, <laughs> he has to go to dinner. So we end up going to the restaurant with Elaine and Jerry and we meet Kramer and the low talker. What do you think of the low talker? A little too cartoonish for me. Oh, I was going to say, it seems like, uh, I don't know what her and Kramer have in common. Yeah, I mean, how'd they meet if she's such a low talker? I guess Kramer has like this unique set of skills. So maybe one of them is hearing what a low talker says. Well, I think that Kramer is always just like canoodling with her. So she's low talking and he's like right there, like an inch away from her so he can hear everything she's saying. I guess that's true. If you're like, if you're in a relationship with her, you can really get closer. Like Jerry and Elaine can't like basically, you know, put their ear to her face. 
I just feel like she seems very out of type with the women that we've seen Kramer with previously. Yeah, uh, that's fair. But I, I think as a general character, you know, I do like, you know, the low talkers and the close talkers and the lip readers and everything, but it's a little cartoony here. Yeah, no, I like the low talker. I just feel like she seems like she's very buttoned up for Kramer. Yeah, she is a little uh, staid. Yeah. And so, and the idea of being a low talker seems to fly in the face of everything that Kramer is about. You know, you would think that if you're the type of person that's with Kramer, you have no problem with expressing yourself and being loud and being free and open. The low talker is, to me, somebody who's very conservative, somebody who's very timid and afraid of the, you know, doesn't want to talk too loud, doesn't want people to hear what they're going to say. Because the idea of being a low talker is like, well, I don't want to say something that's going to be offend or be wrong. So I have to talk low. And that's the idea of a low talker to me. Yeah, but opposites attract, Rob. Like, you didn't marry a podcaster. I didn't marry a napper. That's true. That's true. I did marry somebody who was very loud. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, so. but sometimes certain people are into, like, oh, I want somebody like me. Or mm-hmm. like like their mother. But, you know, certain people want, you know, there can only be so much of, uh, of you know, the Kramer can't have a second Kramer. Nothing would ever get done. Okay. <laughs> so we set up that the low talk. What's the low talker's name? Leslie. Leslie. I never remember the names of the uh, different. Uh, there's dates. no reason to. Yeah. <laughs> and so Leslie, the low talker, she's into fashion. She is working on a puffy shirt. She's going to bring back the pirate look. Kramer thinks that people want to look like pirates. And based on what we were talking about at the start of the show, I do think that there was something to this. They were just ahead of their time. Uh, she did have a good idea. It said now I'm forgetting if this is in the deleted scene or in the episode, but they say that Leslie hasn't sold a single shirt in two years. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's in the yeah, that's in deleted scene. But uh, so she's really at her, you know, she's in her parents' basement, but it's at like everyone's been asking, like, so what are you up to? Like, no, yeah. I got this big project going on. But she's really at the very tail end, like her mom's about to kick her out of the basement. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and seemingly, as always happens with these scenes in the restaurant, somebody always ends up going to the bathroom, whether it's the person who's the new person or the person who's the conduit. There's always one person that's like, I have to get up and go to the bathroom. I guess in the case of Cheryl, the lawyer, she had to go make a phone call. Uh, that's true. There is a lot of right because they don't want to have an extra scene. So it's like, how can we get persons X, Y and C in the same place? Like, oh, send them away. Yeah. And so Kramer goes to the bathroom. And so the low talker is left alone with Jerry and Elaine. And Elaine mentions that Jerry is going to be on the Today Show. Now, could you explain to me the mechanics of how Elaine is responsible enough to book Jerry on the Today Show for something that she's a volunteer of some committee? Uh, I think she says at some point that she knows somebody. Uh, who's able to who's like on with works with the charity so they were able to hook it up it does seem like i mean maybe they show was in dire straits in the gumble era but i feel like in the lower era you'd have a tough time getting on just to like promote some little charity you know comedy thing in the city see i feel like that at this point this is much more implausible than it is now like now uh, so sure some volunteer group is i mean the today show is 19 hours long so somewhere in the 17th hour with Kathy Lee and Hoda, you could see this segment of, okay, here's Jerry Seinfeld. He's a comedian and he's raising money for a charity that is going to work on clothing the homeless and the indigent. Jerry, good morning. 
that could, I could see. But this is in prime time where the Today Show is what only two or three hours at this point, and Brian Gumble is doing the uh, the opening thing. Like Matt Lauer, you don't see him past eight ten on the Today Show. Oh, I've never checked. Really, he's done by eight o'clock. Yeah, they. I mean, they they have a. Uh, it's a cast of hundreds of people hosting the Today Show. I mean, as you get further and further into the show, the the less prestigious and important the hosts become. Yeah, I think. Um, like, if Tom Cruise wanted to do this, the Today Show would be like, "Yeah, come on by, talk about your charity, we'll ask you a question about your next movie." Jerry's not big enough to be like, "Oh yeah, let's get Seinfeld," even though he's got nothing to say. Right. Probably the best analogy that I could make is how the starters are used in preseason football, where they start, oh, first team is coming out here in the first series. All right, here's Matt Lauer. Oh, he's got an interview. Oh, Donald Trump is going to be on the show today. Oh, okay, great, great, great. And then by the time you get to the third quarter, it's like now you got people that aren't even going to be on the team by the end of the, by the start of training camp. And so that's how it goes down. And then you have, you know, Kathy Lee and Hoda are like your third or fourth string quarterbacks that are out there. And you're drinking. And then they're drinking on the show. It's like, eh, sure, let them drink, whatever. Who's even watching at this point? I do think, like, I always felt, I don't want to knock the Today Show, but like the, you know, if they ever went to, you know, Today Show, like millions of people watch every day. But I also yeah. think like if they ever went to like a per watch per like a la carte type mode. Yeah. Like a show, you know, a show like survivor, like a lot of people would, you know, I'll pay to watch the show. Right. Uh, right. People love the big bang theory. They'd pay to watch the big bang theory. I feel like not one person would pay to watch like the good morning America's or. The oh, sure. Shows. I mean, that's the biggest scam in broadcast television. That's like where like for, you know, 40 years, they just made all this money because why people watch it because it's on. Right. And so it's people are getting up and getting ready for work and just put on one of these three networks. And why are we watching it? Because that's what's on right now. And I think that people like do watch the Today Show, at least in the first hour of, okay, well, let me at least see what's going on. They're talking about the top news stories. But then after a certain point, it's just like, yeah, now it's just on in the background and you're getting ready for work. Yeah, but nobody's paying for today. Right. I, I think that very few people would say it's one of their favorite shows. Other people do uh, really do. You do start to have a relationship with the hosts as you watch it for, uh, but you you don't love it enough. You're probably right. So it's like it's like the first podcast, the Today Show. <laughs> it's the first podcast of the day for a lot of people. Okay, it's on because you get used to it, and then it becomes part of your schedule, and you get used to it. That's really uh, what it comes down to. That's a scam. <laughs> right but nobody is seeking out actively the, the today show like for instance nobody's dvring it like oh i missed the today I show bet someone me... dvrs the today show <laughs> nobody's like oh i missed it this morning i gotta watch it when i get home from that work. would be amazing <laughs> but i've got a question for you rob yes has anyone ever binge watched the today show just like oh i missed all the episodes this week yeah, i was on vacation i gotta see what oh, you know what hoda's up to it's like you could certainly DVR it. It's like, oh, Caitlyn Jenner is going to be on the Today Show. I don't sure. want to miss that. Let me DVR it, and then I'll, I'll fast forward to that point. But nobody is like watching it from the start on DVR. I'd hope not. Except for Will Smith after the apocalypse in I Am Legend. Is that what he's doing? He's watching the Today Show? Yeah, that was one of the things he was doing. He was just like watching like random episodes of the Today Show. I mean, if you think about it, like if there's a, an apocalypse, like there's no more new TV. Then you have to go back. Like, I don't know. I'd eventually I'd get to rectify. I want to watch that. Like, 
If there was an apocalypse, that would be one positive outcome. If you had power, I guess, sure. Yeah, that's a good point. And let's say you had like a limited amount of power, then you'd really need to like choose your shows carefully. Yeah, I think I would go with DVD, although the DVD player is another appliance you have to run. You'd have to find the DVD player at this point. You'd have to like break into a lot of houses to find one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, maybe some house that had like a solar grid or something like that. That'd be pretty good. I would be very useless in a nuclear pop. In, oh, sure, apocalypse. sure. Well, driving, I guess, would be pretty easy. That wouldn't be so bad. Oh, unless there's all these people that died in their cars oh, on yeah, the road. Like, it's like The Walking Dead. There's like a lot of cars in the road. Yeah, so I don't think... Yeah, the bicycle. Probably very smelly. I feel like they don't play up how bad it smells on The Walking Dead. Yeah. That's it's got to probably... be horrendous at this point. <laughs> sure. Unless it's so bad they don't even notice anymore. Yeah, and it's so bad you'd eat bologna without even a second thought about it. <laughs> With ketchup. <laughs> and tongue. It'd be like nothing. It'd be a delicacy. All right, so Jerry is going to be on the Today Show, and so they're like, "Yeah, yeah, oh, that's that's good." Akiva, have you ever been in a situation where you haven't been able to hear somebody? Yeah, all the time. I have terrible hearing. Yeah, and what do you do? I never ask them what they said. Do you just agree? Yeah, or I just don't. I know what happens is I don't hear it, or like I think I, I guess what they're saying, and then my wife tells me later, like, "How come you never went to the store?" And I said, "Oh, you never told me." She's like, oh, no, trust me. You said you were going, but I, I never heard it. Mm-hmm. I think that the right response in this isn't to just tacitly agree with what they're saying. The right response is always, oh, that's crazy. Because that works for anything. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but let's say she's saying, uh, I'm getting married tomorrow. Oh, that's crazy. I guess that would be crazy. She's on a date. Yeah. There's got to be like scenarios where, oh, that's crazy. Is try it. Try it. Like, uh, guess what? My uh, dog has 48 hours to live. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I guess that does work. I'm trying to. Th- I like it's a little bit in the uh, like the inflection. Yeah, the inflection on the crazy is really important. Yeah. And so if you and if you're wrong and the person says like, wait, what do you mean? I just told you my dog died or something like that. Like, no, that's crazy. It works for anything. What if I say like something really basic? Like uh, I had pasta for lunch. Oh, that's crazy. No, it doesn't work there. <laughs> um, but then when you, if you drill down and then the low talker, if you got a rise out of them, hopefully they would be like, well, why is that crazy? Like, oh, because that's uh, so much pasta, so many carbs. Does she know that she's a low talker? That's really the key question. It's a good question. I suspect that she does not know. Right. I mean, clearly she is capable of loud talk as we hear later. Spoiler alert. So I don't know. I think she knows that she is a low-ish talker. Like, people must always be asking her what she said, but I don't know if she knows the extent. Yeah. So, what Jerry doesn't know is that he has agreed to wear the puffy shirt on the Today Show. More on that to come. George is out to dinner with his parents, and both his father and his mother are talking about different things. George's mom wants him to take a civil servants test. Is that still a thing? Uh, I bet it is. Yeah. That's not something that is like you're on a track to be working at the post office. It sounds like you just take that test and it's like, okay, you'd be great for this position. It tells you what you'd be good at in government. Is that what it's like? I don't know. That was the implication. I think so. Yeah. The civil servants test. Is the name civil servant? Is that still PC? I always thought it was service, but now that you say servant, I'm saying that's not PC. <laughs> is it? Oh, am I saying if it's they change it wrong? Is it to a civil? Butler test? Would that be okay? 
Yes, okay, service. So it's civ- it's service. Civ- civil. So, so I'm saying it wrong. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize about that. So the civil service exam. I see that it is uh, still on the on the website. We should on take NYC, it. Rob. NYC.gov. Yeah. I don't know what what will happen if we do it. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see if we passed or not. I guess. And They're see gonna what tell other, us both we should be mailmen. See what jobs that we are qualified for. I don't think it's a lot, honestly. Okay. So uh, the civil service jobs, most New York City government jobs are part of the competitive class in which applicants are required to take and pass a civil service examination as part of the hiring process. Civil service tests uh, uh, individuals on the skills needed for job titles. But what are the civil service jobs? I've been looking that up here and I, I can't find it. Oh, okay. So here are the popular career paths. Yeah. Uh, Department of Education. Got it. Sanitation. Got it. Correction. Housing yeah. Authority. Hospitals. Right. NYPD. FDNY. So is it just sort of like a standard test that you have to pass and then you can t- get one of those jobs? I think so. Based- I think if you don't okay. pass it, then like, oh, we don't want you for anything. You're incompetent. Okay. So you have to step one is pass that test. Or maybe if you fail, there's like a place that they're like, oh, he can't pass his test. So he has to go to X. Yeah. Okay. You might as well take it because then there's a lot of uh, different opportunities that are open to you. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of jobs. Yeah. Like government jobs that pay well, well, they have a nice pension. So is there a different one for New York City and government? Because the New York City doesn't have anything to do with the mail. Right. So, yeah, th- that may be a mistake because the mail is not on this list. So that may be a state test or a federal test. Yeah. Are they federal employees? They are, right? Yeah. I mean, the state doesn't have anything to do with the mail. Right. So maybe there's like a na- nationwide civil service test also. Oh, my God. You should take both. I'm, I would not be good at any of these jobs, honestly. <laughs> you think if you your father was a policeman, do you think if you had to, you would be a competent policeman? Yeah, I think so. You, could be a, you would be a cop? You'd be okay cop? Yeah, I think I'd be a they would terrible be... policeman. Right, right. I mean, it depends on what I was doing. Like, I feel like uh, being like uh, working on like investigations that, that I feel like that would appeal to me. The part about like doing like, um, you know, traffic stops and I, I'd be too scared to go like. Uh, yeah, you'd let a lot of people out of tickets, I feel like. Well, yeah, I don't know if I don't think I'd be too good at that part. No. But I feel like I like the part of like uh, work, working on like a case. I think that that's I think you'd like the driving around looking for like criminal type of thing. You like driving, yeah, right? Stakeout. I like you'd that. like the stakeouts. You might want someone in to come in and make the swoop at the end, though. Yeah, I don't want to be part of the SWAT unit that comes in. How are you with a gun? I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. But I, th- I think that there are parts of that job that I think are appealing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, so we end up with uh, George's mom talking about these civil service tests and then George's dad talking about the silver dollar. Keith, have you ever had a silver dollar? Nah, I'm not into those coin stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so, like coins in general. I don't want them in my wallet. They're so annoying. Why? Because they make noise? It, they're just, they make it heavy. I can never find like the right amount of change, even though there's always like 35 different coins in my wallet. And so what happens that you just put them in a jar somewhere? Yeah, my, you know, what happens is my son dumps out my wallet and then they're missing anyway. And then what does he do with He's them? got a stash. I just haven't found it yet. <laughs> do you roll them? Do you bring them to the, the grocery store? Oh, no, store? that's like so much effort, Rob. That's not yeah. me. And I'm not rolling anything. <laughs> do you take it to Coinstar? I don't even know what that is. No, I, I'm telling you, they're just like, I think he hides it under a couch cushion or something. 
He's hiding the chain. He's got a, he's the got a chain. It seems stash very counterintuitive. I f- he had like a toy stash, like under the oven, in like a drawer yeah. under the oven. So he's got it somewhere. I just haven't found. And it. They didn't melt. No, they don't. It's like not really. No, they don't melt. Okay, good. Yeah. So <laughs> George Stetson has a phobia of spending the silver dollars. Is that a real thing? Well, with Frank, I believe it. Yeah, uh, George. It's interesting that he tells his parents look you don't know what i can do i have a talent i think there's something about me i don't want to give up and go for one of these jobs he's still got a dream I'm, we don't know what the dream is but we don't know what the dream is i mean he is only a couple months coming off of having a pilot that went to air on nbc right he didn't make a ton of money off it but it's respectable and we know we know he wants to be an announcer that's one of his dreams and it does seem like they've given up on the writing thing yeah i mean they're not going to re- beat that horse two seasons in a row no, I'm just saying, but in terms of the actual person, if I had a pilot that went to NBC and at least aired on television but didn't go anywhere, I think I would still be trying to get the writing thing going. Right. You'd, you'd try and get it to CBS or to Fox. Yeah, try to write something Yeah, but George else. is a quitter. I guess so. But to me, I do feel like this whole episode of the puffy shirt is like a interesting and tragic tale in George's life. And Akiva, are you familiar with the movie Boogie Nights? Yes. It's one of my favorite movies. I feel like the events that play out in this episode for George Costanza is sort of like a very short five minute, three act version of Boogie Nights. So he's like Dirk Diggler, but with shrinkage. He's like Dirk Diggler, but he's not somebody with uh, an impressive manhood. He's somebody with an impressive set of man hands. Ah, that's right. And he's saying to his parents that you don't know what I can do. There's something special about me. I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. One day you'll see. One day you'll see what I can do. And his parents are scoffing at him and telling him, no, give up your dream. Give up your dream of, of doing something. You could go and take this civil service test. Yeah, they're haters. Yeah, the old school haters. But in the same way that Dirk Diggler runs into Jack Horner at that club that he's working at as he's a bus boy, George runs into somebody on his way out. What, what is he going to go do? Oh, he needs some air. Yeah, he he's says. just like basically having a panic attack and he runs into this lady. And he runs into this woman and he knocks over her purse and she's very mean to him. Yeah, she's she's a, a jerk. She did. Look what she did, you little jerk. You spilled my bag everywhere. And as he's very sorry, he is handing the woman her things. She notices his hands. Says, oh my God, your hands are so exquisite. Yeah, this is a crazy coincidence that he's, you know, running into uh, the hands of the one hand model agent in Manhattan. Sure, sure. And in, in the same way that uh, J- Jack Corner just uh, happened to, uh, a pornographer just happened to run into Dirk Diggler. Listen, uh, the stars aligned that day. <laughs> and so he says, your hands are exquisite. Have you done any hand modeling? Why don't you give me a call sometime? I like how she asked that as if most people have done hand modeling. Yes, yes. And so we see Jerry and George in Jerry's apartment and Jerry's looking at the hands and says, I don't get it. I don't see what's so great about your hands. Yeah, it would be hard. You know what? I find this with certain things like diving. You ever watch Olympics diving? And yes. the worst one and the best one look identical. to. Like, That's fair. So a little bit with hands also. Like they Maybe the expert can spot it, but we don't even know what we're looking for. How are your hands, Akiva? Yeah, I would be nervous with modeling? the nails. I'm always, you know, like, like are the nails part of the deal? That's me too. Yeah, you, you can't have to like, cut nails. your nails really short because I'm not good with that. 
Well, what do you use? A really long, not like super long, but I'm not like. Uh, what's a what's a reasonable amount of time to cut your nails? Like every week, every three days. So what, you're just too lazy to cut your fingernails, and they grow really long. Listen, Rob. <laughs> Is that what's going on? I mean, sometimes, I listen. I'm I'm staying home all day. And you don't scratch yourself or something? Not really. Yeah, I feel like when I do, that's when they get cut. See, I'm the opposite. I bite my fingernails off. I, and, I, and I, I do rip. horrible. I'm a ripper. You're a ripper. I'm a ripper. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I've uh, like I've tried to stop biting my fingernails for thirty years. I can't do it. Yeah, it drives me crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean they say it's a bad habit, but I feel like uh, it's endearing. Who cares? Nose picking is bad. I'm saying nose picking is gross. Like biting yeah. your fingernails is just like you shouldn't. As long as you're not leaving them somewhere, unless it's like your house and you're going to vacuum or clean up later, yeah, it's fine. No, it's a terrible habit. I think the only time I was able to not do it consistently was when I was on Survivor. I was like, oh, my hands are so disgusting. I shouldn't put them into my mouth. But all other, like, and I know they're probably incredibly uh, dirty at all times, but I can't, I can't stop it. That's an addiction. It's an addiction. And I keep like a nail file nearby. I just try to keep them like incredibly sure. If they're like over like a millimeter. Why don't you clip them? Uh, then you get the like at least like when you file them you don't have the the uh clippings everywhere yeah but i have uh, the filer uh skews me out i have like a lot of um what's it called issues i'm blanking on the word where like i i hate like you know the nails on the chalkboard stuff like i can't deal with yeah uh, the filing even the filer bothers me like touching it so nails on a uh chalkboard to you is akin to nails on a nail file uh yeah yeah, yeah. it's really uh it's really bothersome <laughs> Okay. wearing sweaters so, that's another one for me you wearing a sweater yeah, no, or other me wearing, wearing a sweater, a sweater. Like very itchy it bothers me okay so do you have some sort of allergy it's not an allergy it's uh i'm, I'm blaming on the word my wife's an ot she always says it but i have yeah, um yeah. heat rash no it's like uh i'll come up with the word by the end of the podcast okay <laughs> so jerry says what about his sensory hands? sensory issues oh sensory like sensory issues with stuff like that. yeah, yeah. And so we end up with uh, Jerry talking about his hands and George's like, what are you kidding me? The knuckles are out of proportion. You have hair everywhere. No, this is a one in a million hand. It seems like in the beginning of this scene, George is saying that, oh, I, like, I don't really see it either. But then he, by, the, by the time Jerry is comparing, he says that he has one in a million hands. This whole episode is really on fast forward. Like George didn't know he had nice hands two hours ago. Now he's like the most confident guy in the world. So Kramer comes in and he shakes George's hand and it's very funny. He has a joy buzzer and George starts screaming about like, what did you do? <laughs> you gotta be careful with my hands. Joy buzzer is the most 80s thing, 90s thing we've seen so far. Really? The joy buzzer is a 90? I feel like it's a 50s thing. Oh, well, you know what I mean? Like old school. I feel like it's the kind of thing like, uh, you know, Biff Tannen and his friends were bringing a school and Principal Skinner is taken away from Yeah. Uh, next episode, we're getting whoopee cushions. Yeah. And so <laughs> George is very careful about his hands and he tells Kramer that he's a hand model. Kramer does see it. He says uh, George's hands are smooth, creamy, delicate, yet masculine. Yeah, Kramer's got an eye for this stuff. He was a model himself, so he knows the business. He knows. He's worked in modeling before. George, he ends up putting on Jerry's oven mitts and walks out of the house. Were those Jerry's oven mitts? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, no, he maybe Jer- bought his own like oven mitts. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he stole them from Estelle. I don't know. He's stealing everything from Jerry. You don't think he's stealing Jerry's oven mitts? I think he could, but I feel like this is now a thing that he's doing. Like he's walking around. He brought them there. Yeah. 
Okay, so he's leaving with the oven mitts, which I think was uh, is very funny. Uh, I really do love this storyline for George. Yeah, this is a great scene also. Okay. So the next day or whenever, we're at the backstage of the Today Show. So Kramer, he's there. And uh, we saw when he first came in that he had like a coat hanger, which he put on the coat rack. Nobody says anything about it. And so uh, he talks about how since you agreed to wear the puffy shirt on the Today Show, the orders are going through the roof. And Jerry's like, oh, wait, what's this now? How did people know that were, like that he's going to wear it, that the orders are going through the roof? I don't know. I guess that the low talker in her conversations with people, maybe it's like the the distributors are on the other end of the phone. <laughs> yeah, give me 20. Like, Just stop talking. I can't hear you. Yeah, like um, she's like, oh, we have Jerry. He's going to be on the Today Show wearing the shirt. And, and the guy is like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And it's like, okay, great. You just uh, got an order for, uh, you know, 50,000 units of the puffy shirt. Oh, man. That so, low talker for- always causing problems. She causes problems. So Kramer takes it out and he shows the shirt to Jerry. He says, uh, you agreed to wear the puffy shirt on the Today Show. He did what? Yeah. You agreed to wear this when you told you told uh, the low talker, Leslie, when I was in the bathroom. He remembers no such thing. Yeah. He's like, I was just nodding. He was just agreeing with what you were saying. <laughs> She wanted Jerry to wear the shirt and he thinks it's ridiculous. He can't wear this on TV. Yeah. And uh, Kramer, this is like one of the most, this is the most famous uh, line of the, of the episode where, uh, yeah. where, you know, Kramer says that it's going to be the new look for the nineties. Hammer new time is going to be the nineties. Jerry, you're going to be the first pirate. I don't want to be a pirate. The <laughs> yeah. whiniest Jerry's ever been also. Right, but this sticks, and we get it a couple more times throughout the series in different capacities. But yeah, it's a it's a really great memory line. But I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> Very funny, uh, classic, classic stuff. So we now see the next day Estelle and Frank are with George, and we love smug George. And George is incredibly smug with his parents as he's working on manicuring his hands. Um, yeah, George is, uh, you know, he's gone from the lowest, you know, the least confident person on earth to the most in very uh, quick amount of time. True Costanza fashion. Yes. And he'll be back before you know it. And Estelle is talking about how she always knew that George would be something for his hands. I always she talk talked about your hands. Yes. And Frank does not ever remember saying that. You never said Milky White. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he's asking his mom for the scissors. She hands them to him with the point facing out. And uh, he really dresses her down for that. Yeah. I mean, listen, at this point, the, the moneymaker's got to stay uh, clean. Yeah, that's right. And so she wants to offer George some jello. Um, and she put the bananas in the jello, which George likes. Frank does not care for that. Akiva, do you have any preference on fruit in the jello? Uh, no, uh, the jello's fine, but no, no strong preference. I feel like I could see you not liking Jello at all. I actually don't mind Jello. Okay. Um. I, I'm pro Jello. I'm pro yogurt. I'm pro any of that stuff. I'm I feel a like it's one of those but, things but that's that fine. like consistency would be an issue. I do have you. a lot of consistency issues with food and texture, but uh, for some reason, uh, Jello is okay. Yeah. Uh, I like Jello, and I think the fruit in there is a nice uh, change up. I like that. Why do they have to put the fruit on the bottom? Nah, that's like that's like a hacky comedian thing. Yeah. I think that's gravity's work. I, I will say that when you mix up the fruit on the bottom yogurt, uh, a lot of times it's disappointing. 
<laughs> why you want there to be more fruit? No, I, like it should be evenly distributed by the people who made it. I don't why why you, is it hanging out on the bottom? I think that it's uh, it's really in your face move of oh uh, you you think that there's not enough fruit in there. Look how much fruit is in there. See for yourself. We should start a fruit on the top uh, yogurt company. Fruit on the top. Yeah. Open it up. It's all fruit. You throw out the rest of the yogurt. You don't even get to the yogurt. You just eat the fruit. That's interesting. Would they put the sprinkles of an ice cream on the bottom? Your kid would throw <laughs> it back in your face. No, but it would be nice to have the fudge on the bottom. Yeah, I don't eat fudge. I don't know. Chocolate. That's what Jerry said. It was so great about the ice cream sundae. The fudge was on the bottom. It allows you to control your fudge distribution. I guess, if you're into the fudge distribution, if you like to control it evenly. Yeah, maybe some people don't want to mix up the yogurt. Maybe they want to control just how much fruit is on each bite of yogurt. I feel like Jello used to be more popular. I mean, now Jello is really not going to be popular. I feel like yeah. its spokesman is really uh, not doing great. Yeah, that's true. You think that the Bill Cosby thing? Wh- who's in uh, worse straits right now, Subway or Jello? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like Jared is so closely aligned with Subway, whereas Cosby, yeah. like nobody's going to be like. First of all. The Jello consumers don't know who Bill Cosby is because they're kids now, right? Uh, whereas everybody knows Jared, so Subway's got a couple uh, lean years ahead of them. Whereas uh, I think Jello will, you know, it, Jello in general is less popular, but I think it's settled into like an okay place. Probably the most problematic item in retail right now is the uh, five dollar bologna footlong at Subway. <laughs> Does Subway even That's, serve bologna? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can get bologna. Oh, no. uh, bologna yeah, should that, be four dollars for the footlong. Four dollar, yeah. You could make a one dollar bologna footlong at Subway. Nobody's going in there for that anymore. <laughs> That's it. That's done. I'll call it the Jared, the Jared, <laughs> like the Carnegie Deli. It's just like the yeah. I'll have the Jared. Oh, that's a twelve <laughs> uh, footlong on a bologna. That's the worst sandwich in here. Nobody wants that. And they put ketchup on it. That's how undesirable it is. No, I think mustard would be on the bologna sandwich. Well, if we're just making it the worst sandwich that nobody's ever going to order, I think, we're calling I it think mustard on bologna is grosser than ketchup for some reason. Oh, no, you're crazy. No, mustard and bologna is disgusting. Mustard, it's made of the same stuff as a hot dog. I know, but for some reason it, it looks gross. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're out on a limb with that one. I think that the traditional condiment for bologna is mustard. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> George, he ends up uh, like walking away from this whole thing. He says, stress is very bad for the epidermis. Uh, he will be in his room. Uh, yeah, I do like, uh, you know, like, do you think George could get grounded if he misbehaves? Sure. I mean, I guess He's- after the Vogue magazine incident, he would have been grounded for sure. Yeah. Glamorous. Uh, he had, he, yes. Uh, he was grounded. He had to go to therapy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so we end up going to the green room and we see Kramer smoking a cigar in the green room. Definitely not. That would not fly in modern times. Uh, like maybe George Clooney could get away with it. Yeah. Or like a friend of Jerry Seinfeld's not going to be allowed to smoke in the green room. Yeah. Like, maybe, like, like if Snoop Dogg comes, they're going to let him smoke in the green room. They're going to let him smoke a cigar. They're going to let him smoke pot. Whatever. It doesn't matter. He's going to be like smoking is smoking. I feel like he can get away with it. A, Real A-list celebrity, they probably allow it. The Kramers of the world are being kicked out of the building at this point. Snoop Dogg is like, hey, it says it's a green room for shizzle. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it says, don't call it the green room if you don't want me to smoke in here. <laughs> but no, I don't. nobody's allowed to smoke in the, in, the, uh, in the building. Stop it. 
Bob Costas could smoke in the building if he wants. <laughs> in his office, maybe. Yeah. But he's got to towel the door. Is there a celebrity that you think? I think that any celebrity, I think that they would then get on their high horse and then it would be like a TMZ story that they kicked them out. And now I almost am sad that I don't work at NBC anymore because I would love to like go into the office and ask my boss tomorrow, like, who can get away with smoking in the office? I don't think anybody could. Taylor Swift maybe could smoke in the green room on the Today Show. Yeah. After, no, Taylor like, Swift, prior yeah, Taylor to Swift a concert. could smoke while she's on the air. <laughs> right, right. Uh, outside of that, I don't know who who's allowed to smoke in there. I think Clooney could get away with it. Uh, you don't I think don't Cruz? Know. If Cruz said I'm coming, but I need to smoke. Oh, they would have. You know, they would like uh, love to kick him out on their high horse. Uh, Tom, maybe in uh, 1993, Tom Cruise. What about Hank? Tom Hanks? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think Steven I Spielberg. He comes. He wants a cigarette. They're kicking Steven Spielberg out. I don't know. I, I'd love to get uh, the opinions from the audience. Yeah, I feel we this. need to have like a smoke. This is like the real A-list. People who are allowed to smoke in the building. Yeah. So we see Jerry come out. He's wearing the pirate shirt, the puffy shirt. Kramer says, now that's a great looking shirt. Um. Yeah. Kramer. I, like, I wonder if Kramer actually likes it or if he's just, you know, appeasing his lady. This is really terrible. Yes. He says, this looks better than anything you own. That's just a shot at Jerry's wardrobe. Yeah. Here comes Elaine to give the dissenting viewpoint. She comes in and laughs at Jerry. Yeah, it's funny because Elaine and George, like this whole thing happened so quickly that when Elaine comes in now and George comes in after, they have no idea this is even going on. Yeah. And so she's laughing and says, uh, wait, is that what you're wearing on the show? Um, yeah, I mean, I like I, I guess Elaine didn't hear the uh, low talker either. <laughs> yeah, nobody heard her. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, nobody heard. Kramer heard her. Kramer heard. And so Elaine says to Jerry, it's a benefit to clothe homeless people. You're all puffed up. Is that so offensive to homeless people that he's wearing a funny shirt? I don't think it's offensive to the homeless people. I think that people won't take his message seriously. Now, I'm surprised, though, that it doesn't come up that like, oh, you're a comedian. Is this a bit you're yeah, doing? Jerry should have sold it. I think ultimately that's what we have to get to. Jerry just should have sold this much better. and He would have been fine. Why did he need to be so annoyed about it with Gumble? Yeah, I think if Jerry sort of was went out there and was like, uh, well, you know, Brian, that uh, the homeless people, that the clothing situation is so bad, they have to wear all sorts of uh, crazy things. They can't even afford this. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't have a lot of options if you're homeless. Where I can't just go pick out something that would be more appropriate for the Today Show. I just have to wear whatever they give me. And this was what was in my group closet. It's so sad. Yeah. And so, wow, this is dire situation for the homeless people. We better get out there and donate. Yeah. Elaine says, you look like the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> and Elaine also says, Elaine has a couple of burns of Jerry in this scene, not like with an iron. Uh, she says, uh, you're supposed to be a compassionate person that cares about poor people. You look like you're going to swing in on a chandelier. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess it's, it is pretty old school, the puffy shirt. <laughs> it looks something they would wear at the turn, turn of the century. Yeah. Can you get away with wearing the puffy shirt now? No. No. Me? I'm telling you, opening weekend Pirates of the Caribbean 2003, I think you could have got away with it. It's not piratey enough, though. Yeah, you need what? More pirates? You stuff? need to have like an eye patch with it for people to know what you were doing. Yeah. Hook. I think so. I think a woman could get away with the pirate shirt. 
I think it's a nice blouse. Okay, it's more feminine. I got it. So Akiva, let's go visit George on the set of the hand modeling shoot. What a set this is also. What a set. That's <laughs> right. And we learn the tragic rise and fall of Ray McKinley. Yeah, truly one of the saddest stories uh, ever told. It really is. It's a very sad story for Seinfeld, especially. And we find out that George has the best hands anybody's ever seen since Ray McKinley. And we learn about what happened to Ray McKinley. Akiva, could you sum up for the listeners what the story of Ray McKinley was? Yeah, and I do love like the long monologue. It's not so Seinfeld-like. But uh, it, it really is a funny scene. But, you know, in some ways it is, because I do feel like throughout the history of the show, there are these characters that have these pages of dialogue in a row, like going back to characters like the cleaning lady and talking about cashmere. And you do have like these people that are sort of bit characters that tell these really long stories that set up a piece of business. Yeah, no, this is definitely and this is definitely worth the uh, the journey he takes you on. <laughs> it typically is. Yeah. I mean, again, and it's like it's a little bit like a cartoon in the sense where like when you're just telling a story, you know, you can go anywhere with it. It doesn't have to be realistic. Uh, you know, you're not constrained by what you see on screen. It's also worth noting again, like this episode, more than almost any other episode we've seen so far, is just relentlessly negative. No. How so? Well, I mean. Nobody's winning. You know, Jerry is embarrassing himself on national television. Elaine gets kicked off the board of the charity. George goes from zero to like ultimate hero back to zero. You know, there's really yeah. nobody's winning at the end here. Yeah, it is a, uh, a tough week for the gang <laughs> this week. Um, so anyway, uh, Ray, Mc I think it's McKinney. Is it? I, I McKinley, but we'll go with that. Yeah, I think they say it pronounced like GN or something. Um, so the, the, the sad saga of Ray. Um, he could have had any woman in the world. Yeah. None of them equal, you know, were, were the equal of his own hand. The beauty of his own hand. Yes. And he just uh, did not have the self-control and that he just became uh, infatuated with himself until the point that his hand became some sort of deformed claw. Yeah. He was not master of his own domain. Yes, he was not. Eventually, it got so bad that Cub Scouts used to have to feed him. <laughs> that is pretty bad. That is pretty bad. And George tells the director from the photo shoot, I'm not sure what position you would say that this guy is. He tells him, uh, don't worry about him. He won a contest. Yeah, which is really like breaking news from uh, the contest. Yes. But is that canon or that George did win the contest and we find out in the finale that he cheated? Right. So this is canon as of now. Yes. Uh, but of course, George Costanza is a huge liar. Yes. And uh, right, we find out uh, on the airplane that he cheated in the contest. Yeah, he did cheat in the contest. Okay, so don't worry about George. But this is very funny. We're going to come back to uh, the photo shoot in a little bit. After we hear from Jerry now on the air on the Today Show with Brian Gumbel. And boy, do we love Brian Gumbel. Yeah. Do we know why Brian Gumbel and Greg Gumbel don't speak, by the way? Oh, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, I think it's like a big thing. I think they have nothing to do with each other. I heard it was a rumor that Brian Gumble uh, mispronounced Greg's name. Gerg. Oh, boy. It wasn't like he was too leery. He was like a creepy old man. 
Well, Brian Cumble, that's sort of the running joke that we've done in going back and watching all these Survivor seasons, that he really has all of these salacious type questions that he is, seems to be asking. Like he's going like right down whatever like the pervious question route possible is. Like he had like a lot of questions for the women like, uh, you know, I would love to know more about you in that bathing suit and stuff like that. He seemed like uh, that's really maybe his fascination with Survivor at the time. Not strategy, was around. not the strategy. They didn't really care too much about the strategy. Just the strategy of like how her bathing suit was placed. Right. He talked about how one of the people had like a application video where they had gotten naked and he had said he has it in his dressing room. Oh, so, he said that? Yeah, in the Survivor Africa finale. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. If someone has any more information on uh, why they don't speak or if it's even true, and that's not just like some kind of urban legend, but I do want to know the uh, the Gumble relationship in more detail. Can we get Brian Gumble on this podcast to talk about his role in the puffy shirt? I don't think either Gumble's on Twitter, so we're going to have to like reach out to some agents. Who would you rather hang out with, Brian Gumble or Greg Gumble? I mean, I guess as a sports fan, neither. Neither. I was going to say Greg, but I yeah, I mean neither one is really I don't have a problem with either one. They're both they're both competent, but it's never like, oh yeah, like uh, Gumble's doing this game. It's great. You know, they're workmanlike. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I feel like uh, Greg Gumble is uh, more of the everyman. Greg Gumble's an everyman. I, I'm maybe they both be fun to hang out with in a bar. But I'm not, you know, neither one of them is really exciting anybody. I think Brian Gumbel's more on a high horse. I think that Greg Gumbel's a little more centered. Yeah, but also Gumbel's doing more like opinion stuff, right? Isn't he doing like the real sports type things? And yeah, but does anybody watch that? No, I think it just like wins awards, but nobody watches it. Yeah, it's just one of those things that's I don't on. Know if they because do it. I haven't even seen any like anything. I think it's on because I think that Rex Ryan they did an interview with him this week. Yeah, it may that may you know the ship may have sailed on the real sports stuff. <laughs> maybe they're bringing Bill Simmons to like uh, maybe do something else. May oh, they're gonna pair up Bill Simmons with Brian Gumble. That would be that a good, be the show? good combination. They'll do some sort of like HBO first take, and they'll be like the pay cable version of Skip and Stewart. Yeah, they could just curse more. <laughs> so Brian Gumble is interviewing Jerry, but instead of asking about the benefit for the homeless people and the fundraising and the clothing donation. He is obsessed with the shirt. Yeah, he really uh, he gets derailed here. You know, and Jerry just wants to ignore the shirt stuff. Yeah. And Brian Gumble keeps bringing it back. He's like, that shirt, that's very unusual. It's like you're all puffed up. Yeah, and Jerry does not stick to the plan here. Yeah. He's like, it's a very unusual shirt. Uh, yeah, get over it, Gumble. <laughs> and, and Brian Gumble's like, uh, you could be like a pirate comedian. I mean, like that is a niche that's out there. Like, there is no pirate comedian. Pirate comedy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you had like, I'm sure there's pirate. Yeah, there probably are. We've just never heard of it. No one's made it big. I'm sure if you want like a pirate cruise or something, there's comedians. Do they have pirate comedians? Do they even have pirate cruises? I might have just made that up too. I mean, I think the whole idea of a cruise is that you don't want pirates. Right. But that, these are like fake pirates. Like so, they're like fun pirates as opposed to like Somali pirates. Oh yeah, they, they probably don't have any Somali pirates on these cruises. What about Somali pirate comedians? I bet they exist. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the captain now. 
You like that so, movie? I watched the about a half of it and I thought it was fine, but I wasn't so enthralled that I needed to watch the second. Yeah, half it was a very, it was good, but it was very like by the book. If you've read like stories about that stuff, yeah, I just sort of like okay, I get it. I just had it on while I was doing something else. Yeah, that's how, that's the type of movie you could watch like that. You don't need you know your full attention. Yeah. So Jerry is getting increasingly frustrated. He says, "Look, it's not even his shirt. He just agreed to wear it." And he gets into, it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen. Yeah. And it was probably a bad idea to let the low talker on set here. Right. And you hear very distinctly, she's like, you bastard. All of a sudden, not such a low talker anymore. Yeah. And it's a really funny line. I think that Brian Gumble says, uh, did you hear that? And Jerry says, now that I heard. <laughs> right. Wait, which is obviously a joke to the audience. I don't know if uh, the people watching the Today Show at home or DVRing the Today Show at home are understanding. Well, you'd have to VHS the Today oh, Show at this point in time. That's a yeah. lot because like the Today Show, if it's four hours, it wasn't like a. that's your whole VHS tape. Yeah, you had like the three speeds on the VHS tape. I think it was what like, uh, I, I don't remember what it was. It was like SP, LP, and SLP. And it was like really just like garbage quality if you wanted to record like six hours. Yeah. 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 I think four hours was like the normal time, if I'm not mistaken. I think two hours if you did the highest quality. I never did. I, but standard, I think, was four. I never remember. I always remember like four, but sometimes it would cut off at the end. Like, yeah. The happy medium. Yeah. You'd like, you know, you're taping Family Matters and it gets cut off. It's like, oh, no. What happened to Urkel? <laughs> well, how many episodes of Family Matters did you have on that tape? I did. Well, I guess it well, I mean, you know, maybe you have eight like episodes of Family Matters when you're a little kid. Yeah, that's only two hours. Yeah, but then what about the next week? Then you get. Yeah, I guess again. so. Yeah, what are you uh, made of money with all these tapes? Well, that's the thing. You're reusing the same few tapes, and then you're writing on it and crossing it out. It becomes a mess. I, and so many people, I go to people's houses, and they still have the VHS tapes. It drives me insane. Oh, you're so never converting them. I don't care if it's your wedding video. You're never converting it. Yeah, I have a lot of VHS tapes, Akiva. Yes. You gotta get rid of them. I have them in a box. I don't have them out for display. That's better because it's like showing that you at least care. But it, I don't even have a VCR hooked up. Do you have any intention of getting them converted? If they was like really easy and cheap. I mean, I don't. I'm sure there are people who do it, but I've, it might cost money. I have no idea. I, feel it's, I think it definitely so costs money. Is there money. any scenario where you'll ever, where you're ever going to convert them? If it was easy and cheap enough, well, when yes. is it? It's only become more expensive and harder because it will it. Well, yeah, it's this is not an industry that's going to grow, Rob. I don't think the VHS yeah. conversion. In. Man, you're not going to be any VHS tapes left. There's, you know, like players left. It's going to be. I feel like it's now or never. I guess so. The problem is that I don't even know what's on some of them. So it's like I have there's like a whole logging process that needs to happen. But you but you can't do the logging process because you don't even have the VHS player anymore. Oh, I have it. It's just not hooked up. Oh, so why don't you hook it up? Oh, what am I going to sit there and well, watch 100 hours of VHS Throw tapes? them out. <laughs> it, it, like, this is all coming back to the same point. They should not be there anymore. <laughs> all right. So we see George on the modeling shoot. It all comes to a conclusion. They get the last shot of the day. What a success. Great shoot. Yeah, I mean, this is really one of, you know, the peaks of, of uh, you know, that we've seen George at so far. What is George hand modeling? A watch? Not even sure. I didn't even think about that. Because 
it seems like he's wearing a watch, but they don't take the watch back. I think they're just modeling the hands. Are they just sort of like getting his like hand shots to like put like promotional materials so. together I for think, him? I think right now they're just focusing on the hands and what they but then why do they give him a check? Because what listen, he's Rob, he's the best hand model in the world. They're not you can't get him for free. He doesn't get is up in the morning is? with his hands for less than ten. I mean, if you found the most beautiful person in the world, uh, you know, male or female, and said you should be a model, come to my studio, let's take headshots. I mean, is this some sort of like signing bonus that he got? Probably. This is like a hey, we don't want you to work with the other hand guys. You got to work with us. But I feel like the show is making it seem like he did a job today. Uh, I agree. I think maybe we're putting more thought into it than they did. Also, I think so as well. So George also, in addition to the amazing success that he has, to the money that he's getting, he also meets a woman on the set who wants to date him. Uh, yeah. What do you think about this woman? That seems fine. Yeah. Fine woman. Yeah. And going back to this idea of this being the uh, really, really short, short version of Boogie Nights, here is George a complete novice to the industry who comes in and really is just sweeps everybody off their feet. Oh my God. He's the one that we never saw this uh, person. uh, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but this person coming into the industry and here he is, he's a natural at everything and he's making money. He's successful. The women are falling all over him. And it's this unheralded talent who's going to be the the greatest thing in the industry. He's on top of the world. He's on top of the world. He's dancing through the park. Literally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so we see now back in the green room, the low talker is yelling at Jerry. Yeah. She ruined his uh, Jerry ruined her career, which remember zero shirts sold the last two years. <laughs> and so. But her name, her name is her, now worth her nothing. Her great name has been sullied. Yeah. And so she's yelling and uh, Jerry says, to her, look, if you talk this loud in the beginning, none of this would have ever happened. Uh, yeah. But again, we don't know what she knows about how loud. She yeah. And so George comes in and he's so excited about everything. And he talks about how he met a great looking girl and everything. He's making so much money. And Elaine says, let me see the hands. She's not impressed. Yeah, and I do like, like, this episode is so rushed in a way, right, that, like, Elaine is just finding out about the hands, and she's just finding out about the puffy shirt, you know, at the end of the episode. Yeah, and so George, really, who's on a high, he sees Jerry, and he starts making fun of the shirt. Yeah, I mean, right now, the, the roles have reversed. Jerry is a buffoon in a puffy shirt, and George is, you know, the finest hand model in the world. Yes, but we know that a Costanza cannot stay on the top of his game for long. I mean, he's got about three minutes on top in this episode. Maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, and so we end up with him just like really ripping into Jerry. Very, even aggressive for George Costanza. Yeah, but George is like a mean, successful person. We've learned this already. Yes. And he says, have you lost your mind? Who's dressing you? You look like a complete idiot. Yeah, and, it, and then the low talker strikes back. Yes. What does she do, Akiva? She pushes George and, you know, and this is a, a, like a little Seinfeld thing, which they're starting to do more where, you know, the iron was on to, because I think Kramer ironed the puffy shirt, right? Yes. So uh, he left the iron on because he's Kramer and George's hands 
by both his hands go right now, onto... Kiva, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're not a big ironer and don't know a lot about ironing. I know nothing about ironing, but really my only trip to the hospital in my life, I, I had a hernia operation maybe when I was like six months old. Other than that was I put my hand on an iron when I was a little kid. Oh my God. So you can relate to this story. Totally. Oh my God. Well, I was just going to say that the puffy shirt does not seem like a shirt that would be conducive to ironing. Yeah, maybe the back, but you're nobody's looking at the back on TV. It doesn't make any sense, right? It would be a right. very hard. Sh- I don't know anything about ironing. I couldn't iron a shirt if you offered me a million dollars. But the puffy shirt is so bumpy that it doesn't make sense to iron. I could see you steaming a puffy shirt, but the way that the puffy shirt is, it's not a flat surface. No, it like there's almost no way to iron it. You could iron like little parts of it, but then it just looks weird. Yeah, like were the ruffles wrinkled? Yeah, w- yeah, you'd have to yeah, ironing the ruffles would be I mean pointless and diff- <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so it seems really odd that they would have the iron there, but George is on a collision course for the iron. And does it bother you at all that George he runs into the iron and goes like hands first and like holds the iron? Did you feel like yeah, that I was feel like, I mean maybe he was just like shocked or stuck, but yeah, I feel like okay, you touch the iron your immediate reaction is to get your hands off the iron. Yeah, not to hold it. Unless they're like so burnt that he has like lost control of them. Is that what happened to you when you touched the iron? I think I was like two or three. I'd have to ask my mom. Yeah. And what happened? You were just, the iron was on and you touched it? I, I think it was on. I walked into like a room. I, I put my hand on it and I had to be really young, oh. I guess, to not know to touch the iron. And I think my hand was in like a cast for a very long time. Oh my God. A low talker didn't push you? Uh, I don't think I got pushed into it. There was no like, sabotage there. <laughs> okay. And George screams. And of course, these are his precious hands. And we know that from the episode that he was upset about the joy buzzer, the hand modeling career will be over. And what a, what a long lived career it was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's really what this is all about. Just the meteoric rise and fall of the one who was going to revolutionize the hand modeling industry. Do you think Boogie Nights was based off this episode? Probably. Because this came I mean, first, the thing, obviously. The thing about George is, like, he doesn't, like, come down with, like, some sort of, like, moisturizer addiction or anything like that, where he ends up, like, starts to run with the wrong crowd. But if this was an hour long yeah, episode, I was saying the I'm same sure. Thing. This, by the way, this episode easily could have been an hour long. Yeah, or, they like, would have. Or, like, the supersize, like, modern NBC, like, 40 or 45 minutes. He would have got like new friends, like a guy who was like a foot model and like uh, somebody else who is some sort of like a, uh, you know, underwear model. I guess that would be Kramer. Right. I mean, I guess we get a little of that in a couple episodes like Bizarro Jerry. <laughs> but yeah, that's I think where this would have gone. I think we would have seen the, more of the meteoric rise and more of the crushing fall. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get enough time on top really to appreciate it. <laughs> So we end up seeing them a very sad scene of the principal four in the diner. And we see George like in a full cast on both of his arms. Yeah. Lane has to like give him his coffee. Yeah. And so they said my whole life is ruined because of that puffy shirt. Yeah. And McKigney got years before he yes. ruined himself. George got one yes. shoot. And Jerry is like trying to one up George. And he says, well, if you think that's bad, I've been heckled this whole time. Because of that puffy shirt. I had somebody at the show yell out, Avast ye matey. There's no comeback for that. 
Well, you've also had pirate heckling, if I remember correctly. <laughs> that's a very good callback. Yes, that's right. That's right. That somebody heckled me and and uh, yelled out "butt pirate" during one of my uh, stand up comedy appearances. Do you think that, actually? Do you think that person my, was just a huge Seinfeld fan? No, no, I don't think so. I think it was somebody that was uh, a person that was just uh, that li- literally had Tourette's and was just yelling stuff. And I could not, uh, even if I had a comeback, I would not be able to, uh, like I was just told ahead of time to uh, be sensitive to the person with Tourette. So I think that that's, um, and this was in 2004. I would imagine that things have only become increasingly uh, politically correct. No question. Yes. I think that that's uh, a tall task for anybody, especially somebody who wasn't even that funny and not even experienced. You're talking about the heckler. Me, me. No. I'm talking about me. No. And what was the other thing that somebody yelled out? 20 degrees off the Spanish uh, port? Yeah, vasty matey. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, I don't know what that, like the starboard side or something. I don't know if that was like yeah. a Star Wars type thing. Like no, that's a that's like one side of the ship. There's the I believe it's the uh, the port and starboard. Those are the are you two. A boat guy, I'm not a boat guy. No, but I'm a. I used to watch a lot of Star Trek, and they use the same terms. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, I think starboard is the right side. I have no idea. <laughs> yes, and so Elaine, she got fired from the benefit committee. Oh, I mean, wasn't this volunteer work? Yeah, but you could be vi- fired from volunteer work. Yeah, but would you complain about it? Mm, I mean, I, I I guess a little. Like, yeah. no, everyone wants to be wanted. I guess. I feel like if I was doing volunteer work and somebody tried to fire me, bullet dodge. I'd be like, "Yeah." <laughs> well, I tried. I'd be like, "No, I'm quitting on you. You can't fire me." Yeah, do I still get my two weeks of nothing? <laughs> yeah, and then. Kramer, he had to break up with uh, Leslie, the puffy shirt designer, the low talker, because he can't be with somebody whose life is in complete disarray. Yeah, again, he needs an uh, he needs a, a yin to his yang. Yeah, and we found out that the shirts all were donated to the homeless, so it all ended up working out okay, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be worse. Yeah. And so we end up with the gang walking out and we see two homeless people dressed in puffy shirts. Can you spare a little change for an old buccaneer? And uh, the one thing I always thought this episode missed, Rob. Was yeah. What if one of the homeless guys had really mangled hands and he was Ray McKigney? Oh, and I would feel like that. We also missed that. I feel like this would have been a good opportunity to get the silver dollar back in there. Also, yeah, you could have. Yeah, the silver dollar. Um would have worked i guess yeah george like giving away silver dollars that would be funny yeah we maybe get, by the way george... if we get jerry on this just move to number one. Oh, Is number it, one question should mckigney have been at the end because i say for sure yeah that's a great call mckigney should have been at the end and then uh kramer should have given one of the guys a silver dollar and one of the guys said that he has a, a phobia or the phobia of spending the silver dollar yeah but this isn't so, spending right this is just donating yeah, I feel like you had. A, you, I mean, you had a whole thing about a coin earlier in the episode. I feel like you could have tied this all together. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I feel like this is our best Monday morning quarterbacking job yet. Yes, I mean, we did have you know twenty plus years of hindsight <laughs> to really go through this. Literally, with a I've been wondering that for twenty years why it wasn't the kidney. Yeah, that's great. And so, 
Finally, in the closing stand-up, we see that Jerry's talking about why do people always have to say excuse me when somebody's not talking loud enough? Why can't he just once say to a person, I'm sorry, that just wasn't loud enough? Yeah, why is the onus always on you? Yeah, how do you feel about that? I agree. Yeah. Uh, This is another one that I get into uh, with my wife a lot. It's like if, if I can't hear her, the onus is on me to move closer to her and hear what she's saying. But if she can't hear me... I just uh, like she just, uh, you know, yells that I, she, I, she, she can't hear me. I'm not talking loud enough. Yeah, it's always your fault. It is. Yeah. So, Akiva. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been thinking about things uh, in terms of the baloney predicament that we talked about. Oh, boy. I really have been given this a lot of thought. In terms of I ketchup, think I have... ketchup versus mustard or how to say no, it? No, I do no, want no, to know no. what people they... think about baloney ketchup versus baloney mustard. The book is closed on ketchup and mustard. Can that be the hashtag? No, bologna, ketchup, bologna, mustard. See if anyone's on my side. Yes, that's fine. That's fine. So I've been thinking about what to do about this bologna issue. And I think I've I've cracked it. Okay. So bologna is dead. We're retiring bologna. Okay. I'm now the Don Draper and I'm walking in with my presentation for the bologna manufacturers of America and say... There is no more baloney. There's no coming back for baloney. Yes, it's done. No more, no more phony baloney. It's not baloney. It's American salami. Oh, okay. That's not bad. What do you think of that? That's not bad. Because I was trying to like, we were trying to put an Italian spin on it. What if we called it Italian salami? No, because it's not Italian. We're selling America. Oh. Just like the hot dog. Just like you said, the hot dog has the Americana. This isn't bologna. Can we do anything about it's, the taste, though? No. Does it actually have to taste. be bologna? Yes. So it's not bologna. It's American salami. It's, li- it's like a hot dog. It's an American tradition. You have it with American cheese and Akiva. Yeah. American salami and American cheese isn't a sandwich anymore. It's a hero. Oh. And I don't eat meat with cheese, so you, I'm going to have to take your word for this. All right. You, you don't have to have the American cheese. Well, I'm not even going to have the American salami, but I'm happy to profit from it. Okay. I, I do like so it. it. I, I mean, I, the taste is probably a bigger issue than the name, but I do like we should we should at least try and rebrand it. All right, so American salami sandwich. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's an American salami hero. Yeah, what? But what? You know, you know the uh, like the old Simpsons thing. Like uh, my baloney has a first name. It's H O M E R. What yes. if we just named it Homer? <laughs> and like Simpsons fans Off Simpsons bought it up joke? in bulk. <laughs> I guess so. That's uh, one way we could go. That's like I the guess. second pitch. Draper's like, uh, okay, if you guys don't like this one. They're like, what else? You're you gonna got? hate the uh, second one, but then they. Do you like- remember that Simpsons episode where Homer had the bologna sandwich? Yeah. So American salami, it is. All right, I'm I'm on. I'm on board. All right, Akiva, yeah. where do you where do you rank the puffy shirt? Well, so, okay, so so far for you, where would you have it? Really high, uh, below the contest, right? Below the contest, um, but just barely uh, b- uh, above the boyfriend, the Hernandez. Yeah, I think this might be the second best Better episode than the outing, we've seen. I think that might be your number two right now. 
Yeah. Okay. That's reasonable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like the puffy shirt. I may, I may have to move it all the way down to 180 just because they, you know, they missed such an obvious, uh, you know, an obvious ending that would have been much better. I mean, when we go and we look at all the criteria of the things that we dock points for, there's really no storyline in here that's like a waste mm. that's not tied into anything that doesn't pay off for anything. Everything that happens is funny. The stuff with the puffy shirt is funny. The stuff with the hand modeling is funny. Elaine doesn't really have anything to do, but at least she's sort of like tangentially associated with the Jerry storyline. Kramer doesn't have a lot of business to do, but it's his girlfriend who's the low talker. So for me, this is pretty close to flawless. Okay. I mean, I'm a little lower on it than you are, I think. My problems with this episode, I really, especially as a kid, hated the episodes that were really 100% negative that nobody won. Like, I like when Jerry wins and everybody else loses or like the rare time where like Lane or George come out on top. Um, and also like, I remember just hating the low, like the low talking scenes. They were like, Oh, what, what's going on? Um, but you're right. There's no real weak spot in the episode. Are there like so many like unbelievable laughs in the episode? I mean, I guess you bastard the first time you hear it, like that she yells it is really funny. And the McKinney yeah, story is great. So maybe we're nitpicking here. Yeah. I feel like almost every scene has a great payoff. Yeah. I don't disagree. But, you know, when you get to the top 30, there aren't uh, really any weak spots. So I have probably sure at 27. 27. Oh, I think you feel like you might be low on it, but I have to see the whole list. OK. I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, there's plenty of episodes left that uh, maybe their highest highs are a little higher than the puppy shirt. It's yeah. certainly iconic, like in terms of like famous episodes, it's obviously a lot higher. Yeah, no, I really love it. All right. If this was 2015, we established that uh, nobody would be DVRing the Today Show. What else would be different? Um, I I think in general, George's mom would be making American salami, American salami. sandwiches. Well, that that would be 2016. That's not that's not happening. Okay. We got to you know get the whole R and D team on that. Right, the, the RHAP uh, research wing. Um, <laughs> I I also think like people are much more like you. I was walking around Manhattan yesterday, like. People like clothing is is a much less like fluid thing than it was 10, 25 years ago. Uh, you know, people can wear whatever they want and nobody judges anymore. So I yeah. feel like the puffy shirt would be like a blip on the radar. Hmm. Like maybe I, it would I be wonder, popular, but I don't think I don't think Gumble would go do five minutes on the puffy shirt nowadays. Yeah, I wonder if this was in 2015 and you were going to write this story. Maybe it's not like the puffy shirt is, you know, worn on the Today Show. Maybe it's like Jerry is on like some red carpet thing and then he's photographed there and then it sort of goes viral on the Internet. Like, I feel like the being interviewed on the Today Show is not really the place where you want to be seen for something to go viral. Yeah. And also, like, then uh, then Leslie posts on her Facebook page, like, guess what? Jerry Seinfeld is, you know, going to wear my puffy shirt. You know, yeah. I sold my first shirt in two years. And then Elaine sees it and is like, what's going on here? And she forwards it to Jerry. And the whole thing gets avoided. <laughs> the whole thing gets to, they don't even have to be in the green they room. They never get to the green room. Not with the puffy shirt. Yeah. yeah. And maybe uh, that somebody has like a malfunctioning iPad that overheats and that's how George burns his oh, hands. Okay, that's, that's definitely possible. So, Yeah. Maybe George doesn't even have to go anywhere. Maybe he's just sort of like a, uh, you know, Instagram hand model. Oh, that's he just actually does it with a good phone. idea. Yeah, he hand, he's takes care of it himself. Yeah, it takes care of it himself. But he maybe does a sponsored he has, like, post for the puffy shirt and that ruins his career. 
They need him. They need him like to be like the, like with the sleeves of the puffy shirt. Um. Yeah. I, I'm like he's, but he's on his own. He's not with the other people. I don't think. All right. Well, that part still needs. Yeah, work. we got to work on that. We'll workshop. Yeah, that. and we still got to get Ray McKigley uh, in there. Also. Yeah, I mean, we just need him at the end. We need McKigney at the end. All He's right. got to be the closer. And still, nobody is spending a silver dollar. They, well, why don't we just cut that scene all together? Well, it's really the first scene that establishes uh, Frank Costanza. Yeah, but is it so memorable? Like, maybe we got to, you know, like, hey, this is a great episode. We don't need Costanza. Let's save Costanza for, like, the sniffing accountant or something that needs him in a few episodes. <laughs> I guess so. All right. You ready to get into some of our Seinfeld emails? All right. Seinfeld at post show recaps. That's the email address that we get every week. Why don't we start off with Travis? Travis says, hey, guys, puffy shirt. How about puffy hair? Oh, my God. Jerry's pumped up pompadour is absolutely out of control. Also, in this episode, Kramer implies that hammer time is over for the 90s and that pirate wear is the emerging look. Arr, you can't touch this, matey. All right, first part, uh, Jerry's hair. Did you notice anything out of control? No, I'm not good with that stuff. No, I didn't notice anything different between the previous episodes, but maybe season five, Jerry hair. He does have big hair. To look at. So in terms of hammer time being over and pirate time starting, I think Kramer was still premature on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's still hammer time. Still hammer time yet. Yeah, I mean, pirate time lasts one episode. We're right back next week. The hammer time. Let's uh, take this email from Craig from Vancouver. He says that seeing as George became a hand model, I just wanted to know if either of you think that any of your body parts are model worthy. For me, I would say it's likely many parts of my body. Surely it would all be in the before section, but that's still Oh, pays. good one. It really a twist at the end of that email. I'm like, oh, Craig has a think? great opinion of himself. Um, yes. No, I'm sure no parts of me would be model worthy. Like no, I don't think so either. I, I just made that forearms. up. Forearms. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I got, uh, people no, I say I have great elbows. That's what they say. Gr- great elbows. You could be an elbow yeah, model. An elbow model. <laughs> no. I don't think I have one thing that you would say, like, oh, this should be, uh, this is like an ideal this. Yeah, Craig stole my joke. I like a before type thing. That's all you get. Yeah. All right. Also, uh, Craig wants to let us know that the actual puffy shirt worn by Jerry is actually part of the Smithsonian. It used to be on display, but the Smithsonian website states that it is no longer on display. There is a comment section on the page for the shirt. Do we think that the fans of the Seinfeld post-show recap need to campaign to get the puffy shirt back on display? Yeah, I don't get how museums work. Like most of the stuff they have is not out and it's just sitting there doing nothing. Like, why does anybody ever give anything to a museum? I think museums are a scam, by the way. Why? People just what give them mean? stuff, but they, like, make money. Interesting. Like, I, like, you want my puppy shirt? Buy it from me. I feel like sometimes they buy stuff. No, they do. Museums definitely do buy things. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like, like, Rob, if you had millions of dollars, okay? Okay. Like, don't you think there are better charities than giving it to a museum? Like, let them be self-sufficient. Make your museum good enough that people want to pay to come and then they come and then you make your money, like give money, give your charity to people who can't afford food or something. No. So Jerry should have given the puffy shirt literally to the homeless and the indigent. They should have sold it to the museum. Or he should have sold the puffy shirt and given them the money, given the homeless people the money. I feel like there's a lot of stupid charities out there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, not, it's not as bad as when people give like uh, $50 million to Harvard. Like, oh, great. They have $50 billion and now you're $50 million. Yeah, but the, I think the idea is that many people could enjoy the puffy shirt if it was in the Smithsonian. I guess. No, I don't have a problem with it being in the Smithsonian, but it's not right now. It's behind. It's, you know, it's in a it's in a box. He's saying right now that it's not out. Yeah, it's back in sort of shirt. like we'll figure out something to do with it. It's zipped up in the closet. You go to some restaurant, Rob. You take the puffy shirt, and you'll you know charge people you know twenty bucks for you know to try it on and take a picture with it. Yeah, let's go to Johnny De Silvera. Johnny wants to know why does Jerry feel so obligated to wear the puffy shirt on the Today Show? He didn't sign a written contract and only has a verbal agreement with Leslie. It's not as if he'd be the first one to go back on his word. Good, why does Jerry feel obligated to wear the puffy shirt? Good question. Like Jerry's not super nice that he's like, oh, he doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. What, why didn't he say like, oh, I'm sorry, there's a misunderstanding. Uh, as you might know, you don't really speak uh, in a in a uh, manner that can be heard. So, well, I don't think she was there in the beginning. Like when when he was being coerced to put it on, she wasn't really in the mix. No, but even when Kramer tells him in the apartment, just say uh, sorry, but no. Yeah. Do you think Kramer was like, I won't be your friend anymore if you don't wear the puffy but shirt? That wouldn't really get Jerry because he knows Kramer's coming back. We learned like, oh, you know, when the trip episodes in L.A., Kramer will come back. He might go away for a little while, but that's not really a concern. What if Kramer said, if you don't do this, I'll kick your ass? I mean, this is like getting pretty intense. I, well, how did he get him to wear the oh, puffy so shirt? you're saying it happened off screen. Yeah, okay, that's possible. Um, then I'm really I mean, down on Kramer. If he's threatening to beat up Jerry just because of a puffy shirt. <laughs> this is my girlfriend. This is going to be huge. She could make a lot of money. This could be my ticket right, out so of maybe, here. Yeah, maybe he sold it on like that. That's just so important for her. Yeah. And Jerry at the time doesn't realize how like just how ridiculous it is until he's got to go on television with it. Well, I, in the episode, it seems like Kramer's move is like, "Are you kidding me? You look great." Right. Kramer's selling the shirt. That's true. You're being you're crazy. This is a this is a great shirt. He says literally, "This is better than anything else you yeah, own." That's true. So he's selling the shirt, not the not the idea of doing her a favor. So maybe Jerry is just like, I, I guess so. Uh, maybe is it not that bad? Like, no, it's great. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. So I think maybe Jerry was going off of Kramer's recommendation. Let's go to Amir. Amir says that George claims that his mother has never laughed ever. While we rarely have a reason to believe anything George says, this one seems pretty patently false. There's a number of times throughout the series when we explicitly see Estelle laughing. I remember in the showerhead when Jerry is preparing for The Tonight Show and jokes that he's drunk, both Frank and Estelle clearly laugh. Additionally, while doing some research, it was pointed out that she chuckles in the doll when the maestro kisses her hand and she giggles in the Fusilli Jerry when people drive by and say, hey, ass man's in town. Yeah, she does have that nervous laughter that we definitely see a few times. It's like a very like distinct, like, eh, you know, uh, but that is true. But George's a liar. Yes. Also, Amiro says, am I crazy to think that the puffy shirt is ridiculous enough to legitimately work nowadays as some kind of fashion or runway trend? I don't see a reason that pantsuits or floral dresses or mom jeans or flannel shirts could all come back in style, but this look could work. If Kim Kardashian wore this shirt on Instagram, it would immediately be the hottest fall 2015 trend. Agree or oh, disagree? Yeah. If Kim Kardashian put it on 100%. Okay. So if Kim Kardashian wore the puffy shirt, it would be huge. It would be huge. Would that usher in a whole pirate look? 
uh, if if she wants it to. What if Kanye West wore the puffy shirt? It would shirt? be very controversial. It would be controversial. Yeah, and then and he, he would say, the first like, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I think that would work, too. I think that would really usher in a, a, a big puffy shirt era. I don't know about a full pirate thing, but yeah, puffy shirts would be selling. So was the mistake to reach out to Jerry Seinfeld to wear the puffy shirt who's not really associated with fashion? Like, if you ha- were going to try to get something going in terms of the the fashion industry, don't you want a tastemaker from the world of fashion? Just like if we're trying to get uh, American salami out there. I think that going to somebody who has nothing to do with the food industry, I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, well, first of all, but- who, who, do you, who is our perfect uh, American salami spokesman. I think we probably want like Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, but is he really uh, like? Um, if he just came out tomorrow on Twitter mm-hmm. and was like, uh, "It's not baloney, it's American salami." Yeah, but we're saying it's we're calling it American salami, and then we're hiring a Brit to like be our spokesperson. Well, then pick the person. I would say like James Gandolfini or well, something like that would have been person? great. No, I'm saying he would have been great. Yeah, yeah I guess like, that I would be know. good. But what if it was like a chef? Yeah, I, I don't know who who you want to be that person. I and mean, we're not but getting Bobby the, Flay. We're not getting the spiked hair guy. No way. Yeah, we're not getting Guy Fieri. We need you know we need someone like who's more serious about their food. Yeah, Guy Fieri would be fine. No, I'm not paying Guy Fieri. Please, he's a monster. The thing is, like, if we just got like some comedian to say it. Nobody's going to take it right, serious. But the thing is, Jerry's doing this for free because she has direct access. She's got no access yeah. to the whoever the Kardashian of her time was. Yes. No, we've well established that Leslie the Low Talker has nothing going nothing. on. She's got nothing. She couldn't. <laughs> she's not getting a meeting with the Olsen twins in the ninth. That's right. All right. So let's go to Chester. Last email. He says, how can Jerry claim his father has never thrown anything out? He just threw out the brand new perfectly good wallet last season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh Holes in George's story, holes in Jerry's story. Also, uh, Chester says, George says Jerry doesn't even let him use the toilet. George practically lives in Jerry's bathroom. Yeah, ridiculous. We see, you know, from the last episode where they're talking about pee parties to one of the first episodes, like with Jerry's, George is constantly, and all three of them are constantly in Jerry's bathroom. So maybe he meant to say, Jerry barely lets me use the toilet. They do certainly use it, but if it was up to Jerry... He'd have a uh, no, you know, a no bathroom policy. Also, uh, Jester wants to know why is there a pixelated Abraham Lincoln portrait in the restaurant where Jerry Lane and Kramer and the Low Talker go to dinner? I got nothing for him. I don't even is, remember is that the seeing the thirty seventh ranked best looking president Abraham Lincoln. He's talking about. I think so. And then finally, why is the gang hanging out at a different coffee house? It seems to be the same one where George goes with his parents, though that would presumably be in Queens. And where Jerry and Elaine went last week, uh, the night they saw the Meryl Streep movie. Yeah, I mean, right, like it's too, dep- they're too depressed to even go to Monks right now. Maybe they just had some sort of like standing restaurant set that they would just shoot scenes in rather than have to create a new restaurant set all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's possible. It's possible. I wonder maybe if they had to take uh, the Monks set, uh, set apart at some point for this. Oh, I don't know. Is there any, I don't know. But that being said, uh, yeah, it is, it is weird. Yeah. All right, Akiva. So hashtag is, uh, what do you well, want? Would you want? Bologna? No, I think it should just be hashtag American salami. Hashtag American salami. Yeah. We got to, and then you could also do a separate hashtag, hashtag mustard, hashtag yeah, tell ketchup. Us, tell us there if you, if you like mustard, ketchup, or, or if you're just completely anti bologna. I just don't understand how you could be so against ketchup on a hot dog. 
but you're so pro ketchup on American salami. I don't think anybody should even be eating. Don't you see? It's a contradiction. I, do. I kind of I, I'm sort of caught up in my own web of, uh, of contradictions here. Yeah. I just think that a hot dog is you like mustard. If there's one food that goes with mustard, it's a hot dog. It's so unique to the hot dog that I like the other foods. It's like you want you want. I mean, there's also a lot of foods that mustard is completely inappropriate. So you, most right, foods. like kids love to put ketchup on their noodles. Is there anybody who puts mustard on their noodles? Well, no, no, I don't think so. I don't know where I'm going. And, uh, with this, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to be honest. Keep the ketchup away from my noodles. Also, but kids love ketchup on their noodles. I give my son ketchup with his noodles, and he just eats the ketchup. He doesn't even touch the noodles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, my my son is much more interested in the ketchup than anything else. Like uh, everything else is just a ketchup delivery device. Uh, yeah, but it better be Heinz. We've already established that it's Heinz or, or get the hell out. Yeah, that's been well established. Okay, so Akiva, what's next week on the Seinfeld podcast? All right, so next week we have the glasses. We have uh, Skylar White. Is she kissing uh, Cousin Jeffrey? Oh, my God. And uh, George's eyeglasses he thinks get stolen, so we got a lot going on. Is that with Jake Jarmel? Uh, no. Okay, that's different glasses? Different glasses. Okay. All right, Akiva. So uh, good stuff. Follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at keev 26 I'm at Rob Cicino. Of course, the hashtag is American Salami. This was a long podcast episode. Uh, I don't even know how long it was that long. Yeah, it's cl- closing in on two hours. So Scott St. Pierre working overtime on the edit and Mike Moore uh, working overtime on the recap. Some real yeoman's effort. Yes, they were. Uh, are you ready for the Seinfeld podcast five star review of the week? Are you curious to know how we did in terms of our hashtag? Five stars for season five. Yes, please. Okay, Akiva, here we go. This is from Russ, the postal worker, who says, I've been listening to every episode since you guys began this crazy journey. Now I'm excited to hear you break down my favorite Seinfeld season, season five. Thanks, Robin Akiva. Still waiting to see who wins that bet. Which one of you will not leave the house longest? Oh, yeah. We got to do that. (laughs) Well, right now would be like... If we both decided to do it right now, that we're both in New York, I don't think uh, either of us would be allowed back home. I think right. we both have to stay and live in our mom's basements. We do the contest. This yes. Week. No, we need to both return to our regular residency. Yeah, we need like six weeks to recover from these vacations and then maybe we'll do it. What vacation? Yeah, I can't <laughs> call this vacation. If you're if you travel like, you know, across the country and you're not working or you're working differently, like in theory, it's a vacation. But yeah, we both need yeah. vacations from this. Yeah, I think that, you know, just speaking for myself, that my life is probably close enough to a vacation that leaving that is uh, the opposite of vacation. I'll I'll co-sign 100%. (laughs) This is more obligation than vacation. So if you want to go ahead and leave us uh, some feedback or star ratings on our iTunes page. We greatly appreciate it. We're at 91, which is uh, primetime hammer time, I guess. We're in the 90s. We want to get closer to uh, outside the three digits. So leave us your feedback and star ratings at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. And with that, that's it, Akiva. Oh, boy. All right. We'll be back next week talking about the glasses. Take care, everybody. Bye. 